0: Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode.
1: Hey guys, Buddy C. We've got Paul H. and Marla H. and Kate E. and Craig M. with us today. Glad to have everyone. We're, We're... fumbling through this like everyone else and that's some of what this is about today uh, is letting go of the need to know learning to be open up to this and just open our hearts today to receive what we already know 47th chapter any comments before we begin reading any thoughts on this I saw a bit of willingness in it. Willingness. Yeah. I've got this I, I think I'm seeing in this that progression from having to doing to being. And I, I for me that's what it was was saying and that this is about learning to listen to my heart, that in that intuitive thought, knowing how to proceed in uh, in that effortless way that we're all looking for, without the push and the force, which to is so live. much of what this is about.
2: Yeah, to live from the heart rather than the head. Yes, really hard for us addicts. I think a lot of and a lot of
1: people. We are too little, I think, Marla, because we're not we're not awake spiritually. And so all we know is listening to the head. We let our thoughts run us and dominate us. Yeah. Good to have you, Kirsty. Hello. We're just fixing to read, so you came in just at the right time. Cool. Are you ready, Kate? I am ready. All right.
3: All right. First translation. Without going outside, you may know the whole world. Without looking through the window, you may see the ways of heaven. The farther you go, the less you know. Thus the sage knows without traveling, he sees without looking, he works without doing. Second translation, without opening your door, you can open your heart to the world. Without looking out your window, you can see the essence of the Tao. The more you know, the less you understand. The master arrives without leaving, sees the light without looking. Achieves without doing a thing. Third translation. Without opening your door, you can know the whole world. Without looking out your window, you can understand the way of the Tao. The more knowledge you seek, the less you will understand. The master understands without leaving, sees clearly without looking, accomplishes accomplishes much without doing anything. Final translation. You don't have to leave your room to understand what's happening in the world. You don't have to look out the window to appreciate the beauty of heaven. The farther you wander, the less, you know, the masters don't wander around. They know they don't just look, they understand they don't do anything, but the work gets done.
1: Of course, the links in the share, if you guys want to pull that up on your computer thoughts first for me this i if you look at this from the surface and it says that he at the very end it says that he achieves without doing a thing he works without doing i don't think that's really meaning that he's doing nothing i think it means that he is not pushing or forcing or trying to Manipulate or pushing his will, changing the universe for what he thinks it should be versus like we talked about with Singer, changing the universe to what he thinks instead, doing what's in front of him to do and allowing the universe to take care of things and go with the flow. In other words, Mm -hmm. I think that is I had a big conversation with some friends of mine Wednesday about this, Um, my Christian friends that I meet with on Wednesday morning, as my wife calls them. Um, And they just can't get this because it's it's, it's so different from how they're taught in church and in their God belief to believe that, you know, I said, guys, it's not up to you to make it happen. It's up to you to surrender and watch it happen. And it's difficult to grasp because I automatically at first went to the idea of doing nothing. You know, it's not laying on the couch, eating Funyuns and watching Big Valley reruns. You know, or Bonanza or whatever it is. You know, the old TV Land stuff. You know, it's not about doing absolutely nothing. It's about surrendering your will, and not pushing or forcing.
2: Yeah, it's um, you know to just define it like to to really. Listen when you're hearing somebody to um, to see. You know, we see without really seeing what we're seeing. You know, to really see. Like, ooh. And one of the hardest things for I think individuals is to we don't listen to people. We we're thinking about what we're going to say while they're talking, so we're not really listening, and how much we miss by doing that. I love the idea of that heaven. That heaven's really within. You know, that's one of the things I get from this verse: is that heaven is within us. It's not when you die. You know, you can find heaven while you're still alive. That's that's a big idea.
1: Without opening your door, you can open your heart to the world.
2: Mm -hmm. I've
1: been. Practicing lately, opening my heart and mentally, like even when I was talking to someone, I'd say, I "Open my heart to this person. I let go of any resistance to this person." Instead, used to I'd mentally say, "I wish you would hurry up because I'm not really care anything about what you're saying right now." I would have that conversation in my head. <laughs> That's awful, isn't it? But I would do. I don't give a fuck about what you're saying right now. Please hurry, so I can, you know. And I would do that, uh, and that would be what I would really be thinking, you know. That'd be, uh huh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Narcissistic of you.
1: Yeah, but imagine that, Marla.
2: But who doesn't do that? I mean, you know. Often I tell my husband, "Can you know?" Can, and he's, you know, says things to me, and I'm like, "Can I have my two minutes back, please?" You know, without, you know, he's just trying to be helpful.
1: Right. But Yeah. It's, it's worse when it's worse when they tell you the same thing three times over and over again. Because be you're helpful, not really so you're listening. Genuine, three times? No, no, no. It's, I think it's probably just the fact that I've forgotten that just told you. I'm not <laughs> names. You know, it. It really takes a practice of and one of the first ways I started actually I'm glad you mentioned that Marla was was really being interested in what someone else said. <laughs>
2: Even if you're not. Even if you're not. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> Even if you're not. Oh well, Craig sucked about his mother in law. Craig, you don't <laughs> mother in law's. I can mention mine because she doesn't speak English, so she'll never hear this. I've got the greatest mother-in-law in the world. When I visit her, I just do my little hand thing for coffee, and she makes me coffee. There's no conversation. There's nothing other than coffee and food. It's wonderful. Perfect. <laughs> but anyway, uh, enough best of mother-in-law is a
2: dead mother-in-law.
1: Ooh. That's gosh. Oh, that was that's bad mom. Best- that's the sort of thing I would come up with, Marla, and come disappointed in you. <laughs>
2: because I came up with it before you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you came up with a, with a negative before Craig. That's not good, Marla.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was joking. I, li- I happen to like my mother-in-law,
1: but she's passed away. Yeah, good. You recovered, Marla. That's good. Yeah. I'll send you mine. <laughs> Paul, you have something, sir?
0: I'm sorry, guys. What were you talking about? <laughs> no, uh, seriously um this uh this chapter I think it's all it's all about looking within yourself isn't it? I mean mm-hmm. don't don't search for the answers externally cuz you're probably not going to find them.
2: Mm-mm. It's called the inner light by George Harrison. The inner light.
1: All right, uh Stephen Mitchell said with this this part about the more you know he says the more you know without knowing yourself the more you know the less you understand is talking about the more you know without knowing you is um, you understand
2: and oh. it was my experience as a new newly recovering person but I did not not only didn't i know myself i didn't trust myself and yeah. i didn't trust myself to have good judgment or or I didn't trust whatever I was thinking. You know, it's, it's taken a little while to understand that my thoughts aren't really me, you know, and to trust.
1: I, w- I was thinking about this progression with this from, like I mentioned at first, from having to doing to being. It's got, like, three different stanzas in in the verse. So I thought about the first part, like on the second one, for example, Without opening your door, you can open your heart to the world. Without looking out your window, you can see the essence of the Tao. You know, we we start out by having things, and then we move from that to being more about what we do rather than what we have. Mm -hmm. We wake up spiritually, we go from the doing part to it becomes about what we are, us being. So I kind of see that progression through this too. That the description of having to look out and about touching and feeling in the things that you have is a good description of that, of that looking out in the world for what you're looking for. And then the more you know, the less you understand, then you start searching yourself. You start looking and you say, well, it's not about these things anymore. I need to start doing, you know, I need to start helping. I need to start serving. I need to, it's not here, but I don't really know where it is where the solution is so you get into that second stanza where you realize that the more you know the less you understand so that's more for me more that doing part Mm -hmm. and then the being is when you arrive without leaving and see the light without looking and achieve without doing a thing that's when you learn it's just about being that god is love that you don't have to earn that it just is it's like the sun uh Singer talked about this. The sun shines all the time, whether you stay inside or out or whatever you're doing it's still mm-hmm. shining, same as like god's love it's still there there's nothing you've got to do It's just your guilt and fear just keep you from enjoying it you know and it, there's no apology necessary you know the sun doesn't get mad at you and stop shining on you if you don't come out and acknowledge it one day you know and he he equates that to god's love being like the sun
2: yeah nor does god's love ever go away
1: and it's always shining and all we have to do is start participating you know and i see that as that end of just being you know just learning to be Mm
3: -hmm. i like that line see the light without looking because i think i spent a lot of my life um trying to fulfill myself with things from the outside you know, looking for, uh, like, people's approval or looking for, you know, like, the drugs or alcohol to fulfill me from, to make me feel better from the outside or, or men to make me feel better from the outside or, you know, something from the outside. But with this pathway, you know... It, you're already fulfilled, and you don't even realize it.
2: Right. And I think, you know, with using drugs and alcohol, for me, it was trying to find a connection, you know, mm-hmm. to something, which is kind of what you're saying, is looking for a connection outside of ourselves. I used drugs and alcohol to, do, to connect to myself, which was the opposite of connecting.
3: But right. Right. Yeah. You
1: know, it's just a substitute, really, and just um, gets in the way. Gets in the yeah.
2: way. It sort of stops everything, you know. It kind of stops that light. It stops you from looking for the light. It stops you from growing and evolving. And
1: um, yeah. yeah. One of the God substitutes, really, for me, is what it seemed to be.
2: Yeah, okay. which is... Same thing as connection, I
1: think, for me. I want to read a couple of pages out of uh, the Letting Go book, Pathway to Surrender, David Hawkins. It's talking about having, doing, and being, and see, how, see if this doesn't speak to you like it did for me in this. This is just a little bitty section on this I want to read, if you guys don't mind. Uh, it's having, doing, and being. It's on page 112. As we free ourselves of our lower states of consciousness, such as apathy and fear, we come into wantingness. What was formerly an I can't and impossible now becomes possible. The general progression of the levels of consciousness as we go from the lowest to the highest is to move from havingness to doingness to beingness. At the lower levels of consciousness, it is what we have that counts. It is what we have that we want. It is what we have that we value. It is what we have that gives us our self-image of worth and position in the world. That's what you were talking about, Kate. Once we've proven to ourselves that we can have, that our basic needs can be fulfilled, then we have the power to provide for our own needs and those of others who are dependent upon us. The mind begins to become more interested in what it is that we do. Then we move to a different social set in which... What we do in the world is the basis of our value and how others rate us. As we move into lovingness, our doingness is less and less preoccupied with self-service and becomes more and more oriented to being of service to others. As our consciousness grows, we see that service, which is lovingly oriented toward others, automatically results in the fulfillment of our own needs. So they're moving up to the, up to the beingness, really.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, this does not mean sacrifice. Service is not sacrifice. Eventually, we become convinced that our own needs are automatically fulfilled by the universe, and our actions become almost automatically loving. At that point, it's no longer what we do in the world, but what we are that counts. We're proven, we have proven to ourselves that we can have what we need, that we can do almost anything giving the willingness, and now what we are within ourselves and to others becomes most important. People now seek our company, not because of what we have, not because of what we do in society's labels, but because of what we have become. Because of the quality of our presence, people just want to be around us and experience us. That's really the evolution that's, that this talking about here, I think. It's y'all have y'all seen some of that in your own walk? I, I've seen that in mine for sure.
2: Absolutely. It's um well it's something I kind of strive for is to be a person that other people feel comfortable around. And maybe I can share my light.
1: I think that's just a fruit of doing the right things, Mark. It's nothing that we can make happen, but we just keep doing the right things. Exactly. That, that's the evolution that just happens automatically. Like Hawkins talking about that, our our actions just automatically become loving when we start surrendering our guilt and fear.
4: That that's and that that's the word that I was going to um, come upon. It's almost like the evolution through those stages is almost the the dissipation of fear and because as we as we lose the fear which uh, from where I've got so far Hawking seems to describe as the basis for everything that drives us in a self-centered way and I don't mean self-centered in a a derogatory term I mean the natural human condition Mm -hmm. um it's as we lose as we lose the fear we actually become not self interested we we've got what we need we know we've got what we need we as as it says here we know we don't know everything because you know when i came in i well i had an experience yesterday where you know somebody new in thought they knew everything, thought they they didn't know how anything was going to work or it wasn't going to work for them. They knew how it all worked and they, you know, it was complete. but, But I guess my point was that's how I was. Nothing was going to work for me. The more I read and then the more I read, the less I knew. And slowly but surely, I gained the humility to actually say, I know nothing, absolutely nothing, and and I, I still don't, and I don't think you ever will. And I think it's having that that, that then makes you open to makes you open minded, um, makes you more humble, um, more less arrogant. You you know, and also as as you go through, you know, you, the fear decreases, but as so does the ego, because we're, uh, as addicts, we are, we are, you know, the dichotomy between this inner child screaming for help and the arrogant person leading the show. And as we almost meet in the middle, so the ego would, gets reduced, but the child grows up and loses the fear. So we end up in that kind of the, the place in the center, which is, which is just being. And, and we're here for, as you say, whatever we're here for, whatever that may be. And we just don't know what that is. And we have to wait and see.
2: You know, sometimes on my walks, i come up with my existential question why am i here what is life all about and um my aunt i always come back to the answer there we who cares and life it's not meaningless but we're not here for a particular reason we're here just like everything else is here the trees the bugs you know the animals they don't serve a purpose we're just we're here and um I was also thinking about what um, Cindy said the other day in a meeting is, you know, I don't have my shit together, and I never will. And I'm okay with that. And that's the same as I don't know everything, and I never will. And I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with that, not knowing everything, not not trying to find a purpose for the reason I'm alive. There is no purpose. I just am. We just are.
1: You know, and our purpose can only be seen in the moment, Marla. Perhaps. You know, for me, I, I used to be all hung up on, you know, the 30-day, 60-day, 90-day, one-year plan, the five-year plan, the 10-year. And, you know, if I had enough money to project me through to the age of 84, which is what I may live to. to you know, I mean, all those things that I'm taught to do. Yeah. And surrendering a lot of that and then god just leading me into a business i know nothing about rather than things that i know a lot about <laughs> is is all about me giving up this idea that it's up to me to know up to me to figure out and i've had to just surrender things that i've never had to surrender before
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that idea of you know, if I want to learn, if I want knowledge, I learn something today. If I want wisdom, I unlearn. Yeah, that, that's exactly what y'all are talking about.
2: Yeah, pretty
1: much. You know, is that's exactly what Kirsty described was was the idea of 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 having that uh, what do they call it um, child um, a beginner's mind a mm-hmm. beginner's mind where you know you approach things that you don't know the right answer, even though you may have an idea, but if you approach it in an open fashion, it it leaves room for the right answer to appear. And and that works in everything. Mm -hmm. Everything.
2: Being an empty vessel. Yes. Which is what almost every philosophy comes down to, is emptiness searching for or be, being empty so that we can learn or that we can know.
1: So Yeah. It's, you know, empty of our own agenda. There's a lot of uh, that. For me. Yeah. I mean, when I go to a meeting, uh I do my best before every, before it gets around to me. Used to, I would say, hmm, what can I say that would be that these people have not <laughs> heard before that they'll think I'm spiritual, you know, <laughs> that kind of a thing years ago, years ago. Now I just say, you know, God, what is it that I can share today that would help somebody? Is there anything? And then I just wait. And if something pops up, I'll share. If if not, I try hard to say less or nothing.
0: Yeah.
1: But you know that's that's kind of the attitude I try to take with it. That that was my prayer during the meditation this morning before we started. Was God, you know, can if you can use me as a vessel to give something, I'm I'm available. You know, used to, I was never available. I had an agenda. I knew what I needed to do. And even, even this God business, I, I thought there was a plan for me and I, I knew what it was and I'm working the plan. Now it's more of, you know, I'm just available. I try to respond. And if I don't know what to do, I try just to wait till I do. Yeah. For
4: me, for me, the, my approach, given, well, how I've you know kind of gone gone through a lot of my life, was the answer was always in a book. Mm-hmm. The answer was always in a book, and if I didn't know how to do somewhere, okay, book, Google, Wikipedia, it's it's going to be there somewhere. Um, but the more you seek, the less you find. Is that right? Is that kind of right? I don't know. Um, because honestly, it's like chasing the tail, tail. Um, and, and it's almost like it's desperation because the more you read, the more you take in, the more you realize the answer's not there. And it's the same with using substances. It's the same with using behaviors. The more effort you put into it, the harder it becomes and the further away you get from what it is that actually you're striving for. Um, That sounded quite deep, and I didn't really mean it to. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it just, you know, and I, and I, I hear people saying, oh, this has happened to me, so I've got this book. And I'm thinking, yeah, I've been there. I've ordered 40 books off Amazon. I've read (laughs) them. I've gone, yes, it's telling me to do X, Y, Z. And then, to be honest, I never do them because I do nothing. Um, And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with reading a book and learning something, but even the the best scientists in the world will say, prove me wrong, I don't know everything, I need to then find something else out. And that that's from a science point of view. Mm-hmm. Most humble academics who are the people that are doing the research in what field know that they don't know everything and they're waiting for somebody to prove them wrong.
1: But this idea of knowledge being the answer, how about and I wrote down here before the meeting, does knowledge equal power? You know, I'd You know, all these things we were taught growing up, Uh, not with these spiritual, you know, if you're talking about, you know, gaining in the world, yes, but we're talking about uh, living on spiritual principles and uh, by by spiritual guide, no. (laughs) I I think power is surrender and emptiness, not knowledge. That's what I'm learning as far as living on a spiritual basis goes. Has that been y'all's experience? I know it's Kirstie's.
2: Power is not his wisdom. Power you know, I guess the word power is kind of throwing me off.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's maybe not a good word. Maybe yeah. uh,
2: I feel if I know if I'm if I am wise, I don't care about power. Because that's about ego.
1: Yeah. How about wisdom then? What yep. wisdom is not knowledge, wisdom. What uh, surrender? That's how I see it. Emptiness.
2: Emptiness. That you know where you're willing to be open to learning. Yeah, you know, you're empty for a reason. It's like fill yes. me up with what you know or what, what there is. And yeah, humility. Humility. It's all about humility, which has no power in it. Because. Well, it does have power in it. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. It does. Humility has a lot of power in it, just like vulnerability has a lot of power in it.
1: How, how about that we live by pure grace? See that whole idea that it's all a gift. Mm-hmm. That's. I think for me, that's what gratitude does for me. If I have, right. uh, if I'm in gratitude and can use a gratitude list, or in some way that gets me so centered because it reminds me I'm not the one doing this. <laughs>
2: Always got to be reminded of that.
0: Right, Paul? Hey. <laughs> How about this one? The more you know, the less you learn. <laughs> Good one, Paul. Yeah. Actually, this, uh, this, this reading today, getting back to the original reading, um, reminded me of a quote. I don't know where I picked this up. It was probably in college. You, you guys all know who Carl Jung was, right? The uh, psychoanalyst. Mm-hmm. I think he was from Switzerland. He had a good quote on this. He said, uh, "He who looks outside dreams. He who looks inside awakens." Yes, that one always stuck with me for some reason. But I think that applies to today's topic. For sure. Thank you. For shizzle.
1: I never knew what that meant.
2: (laughs) For shizzle. Yes. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg.
1: I think he, that's where it came from. Yeah, but I never knew what, okay, does that mean no, this is a good thing? Is this? Yes.
2: Uh, for,
1: for, sure, for, sure. for sure, for sure. Okay. Thank, for you. Sure. thank you, Paul, who's whiter than I am, yep. for to do that for
0: me. Uh, <sighs> that's mighty white of you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> that.
1: that was very much so. Um I was just looking into Derek Lynn to see if there's anything here to share that we haven't talked about. And the the one thing that stands out is talking about intuitive understanding and that sometimes this chapter is misinterpreted as teaching against travel. But as we've seen, what it really talks about is traveling for the purpose of gaining spiritual knowledge that it's against, that we can't go and travel to some uh, Mecca or some Enlightened place is not going to bring us enlightenment. That enlightenment comes from shining the light within, Mm -hmm. like we've been talking about. So that was a big takeaway I I got from his commentary. Do we want to talk about Wayne Dyer a little, Marla? Sure. Um,
2: 47th verse, without going out the door, know the world. Without looking out the window, you may see the ways of heaven. The farther one goes, the less one knows. Therefore, the sage does not venture forth and yet knows, does not look and yet names, does not strive and yet attains completion. And he Entitled this, Living by Being. I encourage you to change your belief that effort and striving are necessary tools for success. In verse 47, Lao Tzu suggests that these are ways of being, they keep you from experiencing the harmony and attaining the completion that's offered by the Tao. Living by being instead of trying is a different viewpoint. As Lao Tzu states, you can see and accomplish more by not looking out the window.
1: Change your belief that effort and striving are necessary tools for success. Is that not the opposite of what we are taught every day, that it's all about striving, it's all about effort, even if you're coming from a Christian perspective, that's applied there too, that you've got to work at this, that it's all about the whole push, 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 you know. You've got to do this and this and this. That whole idea for me had to change that my success was not in this overt effort that I was putting out. And he does a great job on this one. uh, Dyer does, but I just wanted to bring that to y'all's attention to to be thinking about that in everything he's talking about here. And he talks about the heart as being a great example for us. So
4: that, that sentence is is one of my it is my experiences is not only the thing that almost killed me whether it was by drugs drink work but even now i've got this kind of thing that makes me think i need to be i need to be just be a I need to do, I need to achieve, even if it's just, I don't know, cleaning a room, doing a number of tasks. If I don't achieve something, then I am a failure as a person and all this stuff. And if I, do, I need to let that go because if I don't let that go, I am not, I mean, okay, I'm not, let's, you know, we don't, we don't strive for happiness. We strive for contentment. And I know the days where I just go with it and do what I need to do oh, it's a lot easier because we're doing you know effort and striving and just it's so for me it's so painful it is just so painful and and I'm doing and it is it's all rooted in fear, every bit of it. Yeah. Even if I'm cleaning all the bloody toilets, it's all rooted in fear, you know, um, because it's just constant doing for whatever reason. It's fear. Um, And, yeah, so just in that one sentence, that basically, it basically solves my entire life, (laughs) solves my entire, you know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, Kirstie, I was thinking about house cleaning as you were saying that. As I'm listening to you, and you know, years ago I couldn't leave the house without having the bed made, the dishes in the sink, and you know, house vacuumed and dusted. And little by little, I've let that go. Sometimes I leave dishes in the sink. Sometimes I leave my bed unmade. It's really freeing. It's freeing. But I can do that. It only, you know, it doesn't last that long. But it feels like to let that shit go because it's just not that important, you know. That's like letting go of stuff my mother droned into me.
1: (laughs) we, We have this, or I, I've always had this achievement mentality that if I did not achieve, I was not doing what I was supposed to do, you know, no matter what it was that I was trying to achieve, whether it was mowing the grass, I couldn't leave anything or, or doing this or doing that, whatever it was. And then that started that bled over when I started trying to live on a spiritual basis. Okay. I've got to do X minutes meditating. I've got to read this. I've got to do this. I've got to, and if I don't, then I haven't succeeded. Right. You know, and so learning to let that shit go in every area of life is what you're talking about, Kirsty. That's what you're talking about. Living on on another basis. I'll, let me unmute you.
4: It's really retraining our um, brain. I. It's well, God, this is like this. This is just so strange. This week has been the week that my daughter has been coming home with her um eighth grade exam results. They do exams at the end of every year. And, and she's been coming home and you know what, they're not bad, you know, um, but I'm kind of, I'm grilling her, you know, what was the average and she's kind of, you know, on or just above the average. And the, me, I'm kind of going, well, it what? what uh, why, why, you know, if you worked harder, you could get better grades. And this led to a whole like really for me quite a painful conversation with my with my husband um, because it 's about me it 's about my stuff you know it was me i'm i 'm the one that thinks that you need to achieve you need to get the really good grades because that will then get you on in the future, which to a certain extent is true and is, is you know is is drilled into us as you say by society. But then he said, our children are are happy. And there's still part of me that's screwed up inside, not being able to quite let it go, that she is not working harder and getting better grades. When her grades are, most people would be absolutely, you know, really, really very happy with. But my perfectionism... And my striving for success. Um I have to be really careful because if I'm not if I'm not careful, I'll pass that down. And that's the reason I'm here doing this. Um so I'm really grateful that this meeting is here today because this is exactly what I need to hear.
1: Yeah. Good, Kirsty. Good. You want to read some more, Marla?
4: All right, let's move on.
2: Blah, blah, blah. How is this possible? Let's look at an example to clarify this conundrum. I'd like you to place all of your attention on one of God's greatest creations. I'm referring to your heart, that always beating, mysterious chunk of arteries, vessels, muscle, and blood that you carry with you wherever you go. It, continuously, it continually maintains its thump, thump, thump without your trying to make it beat, even while you sleep. You don't make it thump away. Even without your conscious attention, it works perfectly, as the ocean does. Its continuous beat is even reminiscent of waves on the sea's surface. Your heart is indeed a thing of wonder as it delivers life itself. It is essentially you. That organ in your chest is a model for understanding and applying the lesson of living by being. Your heart attains completion, your life, by not venturing forth, looking beyond its chest cavity, or striving. As you sit here reading these words right now, it's keeping you alive just by being, and you don't even feel it. I'd like you to think of your entire self as a heart that already knows exactly what to do by virtue of its very nature. That is, you don't have to go anywhere to know the world because you already are the world. The moment you attempt to control the beating of your own heart, you realize the futility of such an effort. No amount of trying or striving will make any difference, for your heart operates by its natural connection to the Tao, which does nothing but leaves nothing undone. Hold on. What a beautiful paragraph.
1: That, that, that's, that's it in a nutshell.
2: I know. You, heard, you already know what to do. Just by your, by its own nature,
1: and and we can, and if we forget that, we can use our heart to remind us.
2: Yeah, because it's still beating, no matter what. We don't have to do anything to make it beat. We just have to continue breathing, and even that is unconscious.
1: Yes, no amount of striving, trying, or striving will make any difference. Your hop, your heart operates by its natural connection. To the Tao, which does nothing but leaves nothing undone. I love that example, Marla. Did anything else speak to you? And in, uh, in dire, we could we don't have time. We could read the whole thing. I mean, all of it's good. No, that's all right. I
2: was just thinking, you know, about how the the universe. We are the universe. You know, if, if you think about how the 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 stars in the universe work; they're constantly um, changing and moving, and cells are being recreated. And the same thing is going on in our bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, it works just like the universe works, which it was always just such a big idea in my head. We are the universe.
1: I wanted to talk about this. Um, the he talks about the relationship between information relationship of information to knowledge and wisdom and this idea let me find it here because I want to um, here we go uh, thus information is not always knowledge and knowledge is not always wisdom wisdom connects you to your heart in your waking moments it is the Tao at work Lao Tzu's asking you to recognize the difference between striving for more facts and being in the world that is complete as it is. That's what we're talking about right there. Are we striving for facts to prove to justify our fears? (laughs) Or our existence. (laughs) Our existence? Or our fear that we don't matter, maybe? You know? Or That's
2: that's probably it. Yeah.
1: I'm sure that's part of it. I've got a couple more little sentences I want to pull out of this. Uh, you are a single beat in the one heart that is humanity. You don't have to look outside your window, window or venture forth. All you have to do is just be in the same way that you allow your heart to be. Then I want to read on down a little bit here, trusting your sense of knowing. An internet, oh, an internal knowing is there, (laughs) dependent of your in. An internal knowing is there, independent of your venturing forth. Mm -hmm. It's there even when your eyes are closed and you're sitting still. This doesn't necessarily mean that you should become a couch potato. Rather, you must allow yourself to be guided by the same source. That work that twirls the planets around the sun and trust that it will direct you perfectly without you having to interfere. Experience your innate creativity while being an observer, watching in amazement as everything falls perfectly into place, just as moving water never stagnates, you will be moved by a natural force that seeks being complete within you. And without your need to step in, you can get in touch with this knowing through the practice of meditation. Mm-hmm. It advocates meditation to get in touch with that. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, we talk, we call it our knower. I don't know if y'all call it that or not. You know, when you know to do something, you're in internally where you just know the right thing to do. Intuition. Intuition, exactly, Marla, learning to trust that inner voice. And that's part of this too, I think, is learning how to trust that inner voice. Um, and I've been learning, if I don't know the right thing to do, I just wait. Don't do anything. I try to postpone the decision until I know. And um, we call it getting a warm fuzzy, you know, getting that warm fuzzy feeling, you know, that you know the right thing to do. Uh, and I was I was doing some business the other day, and we didn't know what to do. I said, do you have the warm fuzzy yet? He said, what? I said, the warm fuzzy. You got the warm fuzzy? And Then they said, oh, okay, and I said, I don't yet, so let's put off a decision on this until we know, and so we put it off a few days, and then circumstances happened, and it came. And I said, okay, yeah, now I know. Now I'm comfortable making this decision, so I think that's a lot of it is just, leaving that space for things to be easy. And that's such an easy way. Instead of pushing and forcing and making decisions now, we have to move forward. We have to do this and this. And in doing so, I create more situations to clean up than what I accomplish.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Now I'm back to accomplishing again, you know. Okay. I was just wondering, buddy, does your inner voice have that southern accent, too? Or? <laughs> I, I don't know, Paul. You know, actually,
1: I don't think it does, because when I hear myself, I cannot believe I sound this way. <laughs> like, okay, oh good God, I really sound like that, and I finally just had to accept it and go on. You do. You do have a strong accent. I, and this is venturing off the subject, but I do not understand how people, like I have two brothers. One has a has a stronger accent, a different accent than I do. He is more like, did you ever watch King of the Hill? It was uh, Boomhauer. He sounds just like Boomhauer. Um, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, and he does all of that, right? And I have a hard time understanding him. And then I have another brother that I don't think has any accent at all. My parents don't have strong accents. So I don't understand how people can live in the same community, in the same house, and all talk differently. I, I don't understand that, but it is what it is. So
2: It is what it is, yeah.
1: Any closing
0: comments, guys? This has been a great meeting. Thank you all so much. Yeah, thank you, Kirsty. That was some really, really good stuff you shared today. That was great. I agree. Thank y'all. Thank you so much. What should we title this?
1: Listening to okay. your heart. Go uh, forth and be. Go forth and be.
0: Okay. Go forth and be. I don't know. <laughs> the inner light. How about that, Marla? Yeah. The
1: inner light. Hey, that's good, Paul. Thank you. Put
0: down. the Beatles might sue you for that one, but that's all right.
2: Paul, speaking of the Beatles. Are you going to see Yesterday? It's coming out today.
0: Oh, yeah. I heard about that. I, I watched the trailers. It looks really interesting.
2: It is. It should be really interesting. I can't wait to see it.
0: Is Did that the
1: movie? It was Did
0: about you?
2: the
1: guy that uh, – what's it about, Marla?
2: Um, it's about a guy who uh, – I think he's getting some kind of accident, and he wakes up to a world that doesn't – never heard of the Beatles. So it's up to him to educate everybody about the Beatles' music.
0: So, the premise. He, yeah, he, yeah, he he starts performing all these Beatles songs, and people think they're original. Yeah, songs and they, they think he's yeah. a genius. <laughs> it, it looks kind of Twilight Zone type like, but it's it. pretty. You
1: interesting.
0: know,
2: the Beatles never let people use their music in movies, so it's it's a very special kind of thing for this to happen. So I'm really
1: excited. Well, guys, y'all have a great week. We'll catch you next week.